The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Bright Side. My guest this morning is my mother, Michelle. And we're recording from my parents' house in New Hampshire. And it's been a little bit of a fiasco this morning getting our recording set up. We wanted to be sitting in the same room so we could have a normal conversation, but it's proved impossible. So I'm sitting in the room next to her. I just kind of wanted to talk about the way I guess we'll do this episode. I think it's going to be a little different because typically it's more like interview style, but I feel like it would be fun to get a lot of listener questions because I don't usually do a whole lot of that and see what people were interested in hearing about. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you what your personal bright spots this week have been. Oh my gosh, there's been so many. Obviously, you coming to town, all of us minus one child, getting to have our meals together and spend time together. Yeah, that's been wonderful. Oh, and Lindsay's baby shower. That was yeah. That was that was wonderful. My mom and I threw a baby shower for my sister. She's due in six weeks, right? Yeah, just about. And so there's this lodge nearby and we use that space to host an afternoon tea for my sister and some of her friends and family. And it actually did come together so cute. That was definitely a bright spot for me too. It was kind of a perfect way to Yeah, that was great. And I think Lindsay and Brandon had a wonderful time and they really enjoyed getting to be with people. I was going to say, I'd love to know what people think about bringing the husband to the baby shower because he genuinely did not want to go. He did not. I think he did that for Lindsay for sure, because he (laughs) hasn't been able to attend any of the ultrasounds or doctor's appointments. And she wanted to include him as much as possible in whatever she could. What a time to be pregnant and or having a baby because all the restrictions at the hospital have been so strict. So like she hasn't been able to have him in attendance for any of the ultrasounds, right? It's really, really bummed them both out. Well, He'll be there when the baby's born. <laughs> yes, he will. That, <laughs> make that they're allowing. That. What would you say is one of your all-time favorite memories of our childhood? Mine and you Lindsay's. Not your yours. childhood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> From when we were growing up. Well, oh my gosh, Kate, there's so many. But like in general, there was a phase when you kids were really young and we had just moved into this house and we kept the one of the living rooms completely empty and just sort of used it as a play area and our driveway was probably a lot bigger than it is right now and every day basically you kids would play outside and we would sit outside the adults would sit outside it would usually dad and I but sometimes we had friends over and your kids would just play so happily and then we'd eat something and then there was a long period of time where you guys put on plays for us like mm. every night i just remember <laughs> that i was whether always you, the princess right <laughs> whether you had something prepared or not you would do a play <laughs> so sometimes it was the never ending play <laughs> But it was, it was great. It was just a great period of your, and actually your siblings' childhood. How would we- So relaxing. How would we know when the play was going to end? Like who would keep going? Usually one of, an adult would just, you know, say, (laughs) thank you very much and start clapping. (laughs) But then sometimes you had an actual full story that you would be following. And 
you had boxes of fabric that I bought and some of it was super glittery and sparkly and you guys would tie them on and twist them on to dress up as various characters. And I think that was one of the best toys that from my childhood experience I could have. It was just like a piece. Isn't that funny? Like four different colors or maybe five different colors of fabric covered with sequins. Yes. So there was purple, green, gold, pink. We use those for everything. We use yeah. them to cover stages. We use them to wear as skirts. We use them as capes. We use them as like all these different cotton tails. Yes. Yeah. But from all of our home videos, I know without fail, I was always the princess in whatever yes. role. And then my siblings were then like the prince, the frog. <laughs> whatever else. I was really running yes. away show you, you graduated from like princess or queen or whatever to like yoga instructor or <laughs> oh, yeah. or, or pop star <laughs> Ooh, well i remember for one christmas i got a cd player like with an actual like an actual boom box that played cds i remember and it a set of cucumber melon scented lotion and soap and I think I stole a side table from somewhere in the house and I brought it up to my bedroom and I sat up next to my bed, my CD player and my lotions. And I felt like an adult because I had like oh. my little spa area. That's and amazing. I'm sure I taught yoga classes in that room. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah. And you also, I was also the recipient or victim of lots of <laughs> spa treatments. <laughs> <laughs> and massage and makeup see I love when my friend's daughters do that I always go over to my friend Tori's house her daughter Ryan is probably six maybe seven and she and her friends are always playing up in their room and they love nothing more than to do my hair and makeup and they're actually good at it I don't think I was ever good at hair and makeup all yeah. right I'm gonna jump into some of these questions I'm not really answering okay. them so I'm just okay seeing in order the three things that you love about me the most <laughs> Oh my God. I love how incredibly big your heart is and you don't always put that on display. I think you internalize how big your heart is. And I mean, you're very loving and you're very kind. You're a little delicate when it comes to your emotions and that doesn't always show publicly, but it's very endearing to me. I also enjoy how smart you are and i have always got a kick out of how balanced you are i'll never forget you were 13 years old and i wanted you to go to a prep school in new hampshire and you took the exam and you did really well in the exam and we were going to a prep school for an interview and on the way there you said i absolutely 100 percent do not want to do this and i thought the opposite I really thought that you would want to do that and, you know, be able to commute or live at the school, even though I didn't want you to live there. Anyway, I said, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And you said, I do not want to work that hard. <laughs> you, said, you said, I need more balance in my life. I can't do 100% schoolwork. I really want to be able to have fun too. And I was like, uh, I guess she's right. You know, that makes sense. And you know, we went forward with our usual deal, which was do I mean, great in school and you'll be able to have all the fun you want. And you did. And you did. Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely am still like that now. Very much love to have a work play balance. Yeah. You've been that way yeah. your entire life. So, I mean, obviously I love everything about you, but I do think that your heart is very endearing. You're very smart and that you know what you want. 
Thank you. I was going to say off of what you were just saying that I feel like one of the things that I've always thought I would want to be, I would want to continue to do as a parent or one of the things that I thought was really like effective and worked really well that you guys did with all of us was pretty much let us have a lot of freedom as long as we were getting good grades in school. So it was like, as, as long as you're doing well in school, go ahead and, you know, have as much fun as you want. And we did a lot of extracurricular activities, but then outside of that, it was like not a total free for all, but like kind of, you know, you could, you, we could do pretty much whatever we wanted as long as we were getting good grades. Yeah. And I wanted to know where you were. Well, yeah, I feel like it worked pretty well though, with all four of us, like everybody did ended up doing pretty well. Cause it was like on us to just maintain our grades. And like, then we, we were like, we were responsible for our own freedom in a way. That's right. And actually I spoke with each of you individually and said, basically that do your job, which is school. Mm-hmm. If you do your job, life is going to be fun and easy. And you're going to be allowed a lot of freedom. If you don't do your job, you know, it's not going to be good. And I don't <laughs> want to live like that. I don't think you do either. So yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of carried into adulthood too. It was like, okay, I can have as much fun as I want, but I better make sure that I'm always doing my job first. Right. This next person would like to know, how do you keep your marriage strong? You know, honestly, it's just super basic for me. It's just about listening and like actually hearing and just continuing to acknowledge who my husband is and that he's different, you know, that he's not exactly like me and appreciate those differences whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have there been a lot of challenging times? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stress when your kids were little and dad had his own company. And Cause I would imagine that, I mean, I haven't been married, like, you know, obviously I haven't had that kind of a relationship to compare anything to, but I would imagine that it would vary a lot when you, when kids are different ages and like the issues are different with what you're dealing with, with your Mm -hmm. kids and how, what if you don't agree? Well, I'll tell you, we were lucky in that we were, I would say 95% of the time on the same page when it came to parenting. So there's that. And then it was just life gets super busy. So you have to try to really to work. You have to make time for your spouse a hundred percent. Do not let that go. And then, you know, I mean, dad retired two years ago. And so he's just like around all the time, which is, that's an adjustment for everybody. And I don't feel like people talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. So I decided to step back and reappreciate and get to know him. Well, you had a transition too, because you stayed home with us when we were all growing up. And yeah. so your job was mom. And then when we yeah. were all out of the house, you were like, what do I do with myself? Yeah. And we're kind of I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. And you ended up starting a career in real estate a few years ago. Yes. It's kind of funny. You and dad have almost switched. (laughs) You definitely have. We've a hundred percent switched roles. Yeah. And I think that's funny. And I don't think that that is particularly uncommon either. So it's good. That's another thing that's good for us. You know, you just have stuff going on. Not everybody has an interest or a hobby. So maybe you have to work a little hard and everybody retires and blows glass or you know, <laughs> decides to become a runner, you know, well, not dad, dad became his... a painter for a second anyway. Yeah. For a second. Yes, that's right. It's just living regular day-to-day life and just connecting. That's all. And it doesn't automatically happen. You know, you have to make it happen. Yeah. What is your best advice for someone in their thirties? I mean, is there anything that when you were in your thirties, you would have done differently? Do you feel like maybe I, I heard someone the other day say, 
There's a woman who, um, in New Hampshire who just had a baby at 57. I know. And she said, you know what? It's been a lot easier this time around because we had our first round of kids when we were in our thirties and we were so overwhelmed because we were starting new jobs. We were buying a house. We were having kids. We were doing everything at once. And now our lives are so established. We've already done all of the kind of groundwork and, you know, we have a home, we have everything really set in stone and and our lives are so much more relaxing now. And now we're having this baby and it's so much easier. Mm. And she said, I really feel like thirties are for work. Forties are for something else. And then she's like, and fifties should be for having kids. That's Um, funny. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll experience that to a very small degree because Lindsay's about to have a baby, you know, as a grandmother, I will experience that. I am the same age. I'm 57 and- God, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I can't even imagine having a baby right now. I mean, if someone, (laughs) if one like appeared on my doorstep, I'd happily love it and raise it, (laughs) but I, I can't imagine like having a baby now. So, I mean, for me, it was completely completely the opposite. I had all four of you by the time I was 29. So for me, being in my 30s was fantastic in terms of energy and dedication. And you also have to understand that I chose to stop working and I chose to stay home with you. And I would not do that any other way. I feel very fortunate to be able to do that. That was sort of what became like my career, if you want to call it that, but that was my focus. And that's where I wanted it to be. And, you know, dad and I did the whole house and all of that stuff. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a whirlwind for sure for many years, but I loved it. I mean, I thrived in having a busy, happy household and, you know, living out in the country, we had to be more creative, you know, with regard to finding things to do. So I enjoyed child rearing in my 30s is what I want to say. And could I have gone further in a career? But, you know, I, that, that thought last time I had about a split second because I don't care. Well, one of the things that I personally feel is a benefit to the fact that you had us so young was that we have been able to do so much traveling together That's true. since I've been an adult and you're still young enough to be able to easily travel and do everything like you're very functional still. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people's parents are much older and it's much more of a challenge. I mean, they can't hop on a plane to Indonesia. You know what I mean? That's true. That is true. That is true. I mean, there are, there are other ways people connect, but I certainly, you know, when you have an older parent, you're just grateful to have them. And there are other ways people connect, but I never even thought, gee, this could be really beneficial in the future. I can travel with my kids. It's just worked out that way. To answer your friend's question, my timing is different than the woman you were talking about. That's the exact same age as me in New Hampshire, but I'm good with the way I did things. And it was great for me to have some interest outside of my children, which were usually you know, getting together with friends and going out to dinner and things like that. I guess though, to circle back to her question, what then would your advice for someone in their thirties be? I feel like it's always the same when you get advice from an older person, but it's really (laughs) just to slow down and enjoy the moment. And I feel like I did. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about that. Okay. So this person wants to know, are you surprised in any way by my journey to who I am today? Um, No, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I'm really not. I I think that you've always been really great, Caitlin, about staying genuine to yourself and always made your own decisions. And I mean, that's just the way you have to do it in life. You know, you have to have your own experiences. 
in order to learn. And hopefully you learn something that is valuable to you. And, you know, which is kind of like the whole basis of this podcast. So no. Yeah. It's so interesting too. I'm not that surprised by myself either. Yeah. <laughs> in, in no, my, I know you pretty well, Caitlin. Because I've always been very independent and I've always kind of gotten bored easily and love to like explore and be like learning all the time. I just, mm-hmm. I really like to keep growing. I think that's what it is, is not that I need to be on the go all the time necessarily, but that I need to feel like I'm constantly learning something or expanding, growing as a person. And then I feel fulfilled. But as soon as that stops, I have a problem. But I I think it's interesting how different each of us four kids are. Oh, yeah, you are all very different. Not to say that everyone doesn't want to keep growing and learning, but like Lindsay's so happy. You know, she's married to a guy she went met in high school. He was actually in my class in high school, but they started dating right out of high school. Right before she left for college. <laughs> but in, in very different ways. Like we both like very different ways of life, right. I think. Lindsay likes to surround herself with what she's comfortable with and feels safe. And she's very happy like that. She always has been her whole life. Yeah. Did you feel like it, because we're all a little different from each other, did you have to parent differently no. or no? No, mm-hmm. I would say no. So we had to fit your parenting. And <laughs> no, I mean, the parenting stayed the same, but all of you certainly needed your own individual attention when it came to certain things that happened in your lives or way that you, you know, you'd be feeling or some difficulty in a relationship or with school or something like that. I mean, all of those things are always different. There's not one blanket piece of advice or help. The expectations always stayed the same in terms of parenting and really just kind of loved you guys to death, honestly. Did you feel like having four kids was a lot to juggle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first year, the first I'm year terrified. was the first year was tough. I mean, when the twins were born, you were three and Lindsay was one. So that was a lot. Like there were three of you in diapers, all of you were in car seats, you know? I think you know this, that I went to see a psychic in the spring and she told me that I was going to have four kids. You never told me that. And I freaked out. I was like, I can't have four kids. There's no way. You can't. Because I remember thinking, because no, but the problem with four kids is that you have to up every, like you can't rent a normal rental car when you travel. You have to get like a, a, like a huge van or whatever. Like you always have to, everything's just like a little bit more complicated. Okay. I don't know. That's when, I, when dad and I found out we were pregnant for the third time, and then we found out there were two coming, <laughs> we outgrew our house and our car immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you remember, we traveled with you guys all of the time. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, you that get it. You is get a job. You get a job. <laughs> it's really not that bad because you know you you have your first baby and you fall so in love, and then you get pregnant with your second, and you're like, oh, could I possibly feel the same way about this one as I do this one? And then you find out you do, mm-hmm. and I think it's possible to just really fall in love over and over and over again. Christina yeah. wants to know how to be a cool mom like you are. <laughs> Christina is one of my friends. Yeah, from high I love school. Christina. And she's, she's got a little daughter named I just Charlotte. saw pictures of her today. Yeah, yeah she was she's like. She's just so cute. <laughs> so, so cute. I mean, well, I, it wasn't like a goal of mine to be a cool mom, but I just never treated my kids like when they wanted to know about life and they asked questions, I just told them, you know what I mean? I never sugarcoated anything or treated you like you were 
a baby and I was an adult and you'd learn when you got older. I don't think I actually probably said that very much to you at all. I mean, I definitely told you that about, you know, that Santa was real. <laughs> also, also one thing I did that was a huge lie, but I feel like it was worth it because it <laughs> saved you and your siblings so much stress is that as you started getting a little bit older and maybe it came from stories, you started getting really afraid of burglars breaking in the house. And also there was a lot of fear of lightning hitting the house. So, well, I'll tell you what it was. It, well, I don't know about the lightning, but I know funny. that my fear of someone come breaking in the house was from watching unsolved mysteries, which I was addicted to. And I still you? would be addicted. I don't know, pretty young. Cause I feel like it was just on normal I, TV. I barely and it probably you didn't seem anything. <laughs> I, it probably didn't seem like it was a big deal, but those shows are so traumatizing. I'm sorry, I never should have let you see that. It started with a button and there was an ornate mirror at the top of the stairs that had a circle in the middle of it was a little bump. Mm. And I would push the button and the button put a shield around the house that would protect everybody from burglars and lightning. And so everybody felt relieved and could go to sleep and sleep perfectly and at some point it transitioned to a spray there was like some kind of sentence right. spray that I would spray that would protect you and and we had to do it we had to push the button and we had to spray the spray and when we did everybody would just go to bed perfectly and of course by the time you got old enough to realize that there wasn't really a button or that the spray didn't do much you were much more rational about crime and lightning <laughs> that brings me to a topic that I think it would be cool for us to talk about on here if you want to talk about it, which is anxiety. One thing I've kind of experienced through this show and talking to people on this show is how many people weren't aware as kids of like what anxiety was and they kind of had to experience panic attacks and figure it out for yeah. themselves as they became adults to sort of know what they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a kid, I don't know how you communicated that to us, but I sort of always knew what anxiety was. I always knew what panic attacks were. I was always aware of what that was. So when I actually had them and experienced them, which luckily I haven't really had that too bad, but when I did, I knew what it was. And I feel like that is kind of uh, lucky. That is. But can you talk about that a little bit? Like, when do you think is a good time to talk to? I mean, I never, ever knew what anxiety was. And, you know, I feels like only more recently in recent years has, has anxiety been sort of put on a spectrum with depression. And all I knew in my family is that there were certain people who were not well. And Right. I mean, it was a very, and it still is a really difficult topic for a lot of people to even I don't, talk about. I don't really understand why, it, unless they just have a really difficult time quantifying. I mean, it used to be something that people were ashamed of, but it's just, you know, it's just another part of health. And so you probably learned about anxiety because I suffered through dealing with it a lot. You know, you may have asked me about it and I probably told you. Yeah. Cause I think it's really important to have those transparent conversations. And I try to really be honest with like friends of mine, if, if I've had any experience with anything like that, or just kind of talk about these things really openly and blatant bluntly, same. because same. 
because it helps everyone. I mean, my hope would be that you never in your entire life had a panic attack or anxiety. You know, that would be my real hope for my children. But if you don't know what's happening to you, it can be really terrifying. So I'm glad you were able to think about it and, and understand what was happening and also understand that it was going to go away. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's been a very helpful tool as a young adult going into adulthood. There are definitely people I know who haven't had that experience, which like they're so fortunate because it's the worst feeling ever. But I think you're right, knowing that it's not going to last and just being aware that it's like your body yeah. chemistry. Yeah, it's a fight or flight thing. And it is really important to understand that it is not going to last. No one's ever died from a panic attack. Even though you feel like yeah, you, might. And you might feel like you're going to faint you're going to be okay. You know, when something like that happens, it's really important to talk to your partner about it. It's important to talk to your doctor about it. The very first time I told my doctor about it, he told me to go home and have a glass of wine every night. Oh, what? Yeah, he was a dope. And so then I eventually sought out somebody else. It was just, I remember exactly when it happened. But this is what I'm talking yeah. about is like, I think that, I mean, people's awareness. So just talking openly, I'm totally fine with talking openly about that. And I don't see why people wouldn't be. There's a lot of things I think people mm -hmm. need to be having more conversations about. <laughs> like what? Well, like I was saying earlier about the whole reintroduction in the marriage when both people are retired. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot mm -hmm. of girlfriends that are in the same boat and everybody's experience is different. It's weird. It's a big life change. I feel like you only hear about women going through menopause. You don't really hear about men retiring. And they, go, and they and have having... their own hormonal changes, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I like talking about stuff like that. It's nice to know that other people are experiencing or it can be helpful for people to not feel alone, which I know mm -hmm. you talk about that a lot on your show with people's experiences, which I think is great. Yeah. Thanks. Someone would like to know what your key to looking fabulous is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, I don't really feel like I look fabulous. I feel like I look fine for my age, but my real beauty secret is that I had a facelift about five years ago. <laughs> I don't know if you were going to go yeah. there, but Hey, I mean, this is another issue that I feel like is a big topic right now. And this has been going on for forever. People would deny to their grave. People, yes. right. Women who are, who are celebrities, I won't name names, but who are saying that, you know, they just use like of certain oil on their face their whole lives or like they eat healthy yeah. and they just look like they did when they're in their 20s and don't admit to yeah. any kind of help or work. So for me, you know, I'm okay with makeup. I don't wear a lot of makeup. What happened was I, through menopause, it seems like I went through like a really rushed menopause and all of a sudden it felt like within nine months, my face and neck had all dropped down to here and I didn't feel good about myself. So I went to a doctor and I said, look, I'm not really into maintenance. You know, I don't want Botox and filler and stuff <laughs> like that. Just give me the treatment. <laughs> mm. did. Yeah. I mean, your experience was pretty intense. It was, it was from, very rugged. Least, I was not prepared. Yeah. I mean, obviously the end result worked out. So I that's mean, yeah. good. But I never considered a facelift to be like a major, major surgery. It was major. I just kind of figured they just like pulled your skin yeah. back and that was it. But it was so much more complex than that. And so it made me actually sort of terrified to ever get yeah. a facelift. So just like almost everything else we've talked about in this conversation, plastic surgery has come such a long way yeah. over the years. And like, we're so lucky now to have all these different skincare methods that actually are clinical and are advanced enough. I think like I did this thing through my doctor in LA, Dr. Talley, 
called the profound, which is a profound RF. It's a really deep microneedling using radio frequency to stimulate collagen and elastin production in your face. It's non-surgical, but it tightens your skin 30%. Oh, that's so it's amazing. Kind of like a that is amazing. It's amazing. And the results last for five years. And so I'm like hoping and praying that I can just do that treatment every yeah, five years. And you years know what, Kate, like- let me tell you something. There are so many advances in skincare and taking care of your skin. And that's more advice I would give myself when I was in my thirties. Take care of my skin, do the maintenance, get the facials. You know, I just always looked at my skin and I was like, mm. oh, it looks great. But I think there's two sides to that because I feel like when you introduce a lot of a, a complex routine to your skin, it becomes kind of accustomed to that. And then you sort of need to maintain oh. that. Whereas if you don't do anything, then your skin sort of naturally adapt. Like the the whole theory, I think with Dr. Hashka was that you shouldn't really have to use anything on your skin, that it should really kind of balance well, that's what I did. naturally. With- <laughs> I mean, I've never been able to to live by that personally, right. but okay. That's interesting to know. You would try to pay more attention to Absolutely. skincare. What about sunscreen? That's the number one thing. I, I grew up in Florida. I baked in the sun all the time. I feel like I stayed out of the sun a lot coming to New Hampshire. I mean, you know, we weren't at the beach. We were certainly outside a lot. I would have paid much more attention to sunscreen. Just just taking a little, probably a little bit better care of myself. Well, I feel like having gotten a facelift, now you kind of have like a fresh start yeah. so you can implement all those things I now. Do, I, you know, I do the best I can. I love skincare. I love the science behind it. And I think like the profound treatment that I did, I think is so interesting because it's really just your body yeah. making your skin right. better. But it just requires that stimulation, you know, to, to get to that place. And that's why, I mean, people do microneedling all the time. This was just an intense version of that. So I think if you're, if you're doing a series of microneedling, that's probably also a a good thing to implement. Yeah. Microneedling and sunscreening. Yeah. I've been really into this brand Environ lately. It's a clinical brand. My esthetician, my, my new estheticians, I know I tell you about. Yeah. I need to see her. I I love love her because you know my the facials aren't these luxurious relaxing treatments but they're very effective between peels and microneedling you know you're you're getting rid of yeah, all the right. dead cells on top and stimulating the production of new cells underneath this sounds really basic but for years i would just wash my face with cleanser and put on lotion and i never exfoliated and exfoliating was like life-changing for me because <laughs> all of a sudden, I mean, I never knew that you really needed to scrub the dead skin cells off. So yeah, I mean, that's probably not a tip for anyone except for myself. Yeah. I love exfoliating. I feel so clean and fresh for sure. This person wants to know, are you impressed by the LA scene or do, do you roll your eyes at it? Yeah. I mean, I I don't necessarily roll my eyes at it. I mean, because I respect hustlers, you know, I respect people that are working hard and are trying to make themselves into something. So from that regard, from an entrepreneurial respect, I really respect LA, the scene. It is full of hustlers. That's a good point. (laughs) And I like that energy. So from that perspective, mm. I like it. And, and there are other ways in which I do not. <laughs> Same. So we might have to record another episode sometime soon because I have actually a lot of questions from people that we're not going to get to. But kind of a cute one is, um, what are you going to be called when your grandchild arrives? Oh. I always tell Lindsay Michelle. 
my mom was always Mimi and Mimi's kind of a derivative of Michelle anyway. So I'll probably end up being Mimi. Yeah. I think Mimi makes the most sense. Yeah. And I think it's easy to say. Well, I, I want to ask you a few of the questions that I ask all of my listeners, my, all of my visitors okay. to the show, Uh-oh. which okay. first of all is what's your favorite song to put you in happy mood? Oh my gosh. You know, I hear you ask your guests that every mm-hmm. week and I always think about what my favorite song is. I have so many, mm-hmm. I don't really know what to pick, but cause there were so many, I, I react to music like very seriously. <laughs> I mean, there's a great old go-to that I have and I have a million, but I love Brick House. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's my wife, Terry. Yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite way to celebrate a success? Oh, interesting. Just to celebrate in general. I mean, my favorite thing to do ever is like get together with family and have a meal. And so to celebrate a success, I would say it's the same thing. I like that. Um, all right. Well, normally I ask my guests to plug themselves and where they can be found at this point in the episode, uh, but I don't really think that that would make as much sense for you. However, if anybody knows of any multimillionaires who are looking for <laughs> a ret- real estate in New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah. my mom has a really fancy listing here right now. And she that's true. I do look at Oak Hill, Dublin, New Hampshire.com. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. Cool. It is. It is. Frank Lloyd Wright, but apparently I'm not supposed to say that or I get in trouble or someone gets in trouble, but no, it, it kind of no, looks no. like He's a Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing mid-century that you would never know is there. It's a really very cool listing. Interested. What was it? Oak Hill? It's called, it's oakhilldublinnewhampshire.com. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right well, All thanks right. for being here today. This was fun. See you in the I love kitchen. you, Kate. I'll see you in the kitchen. The Bright Side is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. Our theme music is by Maddie Noise. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Caitlin, K A I T L Y N N, or email the show at thebrightsidewithkc at gmail.com. Have a happy day. I never want to leave. I need you.